Tell me your secret. Uh, yeah. It's a secret that people don't want. <laughs> is this a podcast about Runeterra or just random stuff? The answer to that question is, is yes. yes. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Rune Terrible Radio. I am your host, Blevins. With me, as always, is Saucy Mailman. What's up, buddy? Uh, hey, what's going on, dude? Oh, not too much. And we are also joined by a an ace, a master, a a legend in the Legends of Rune Terra tournament scene. And streaming scene, for that matter. We've got Fresh Lobster in the house. What's up, man? Hey, man, I'm doing fine. Hope y'all are having a good day. We're okay. we're trying to. <laughs> yeah, for anyone, and this is a fun fact for anyone that's with us live, you get to hear this live. Um, Lobster himself, he is the actual, in the name Legends of Runeterra, he is the legend. Yeah, he is one of if the legends of Runeterra. They named the game after him. <laughs> Today I learned. Yeah, my, my new, fact, uh... I'm just coming out with good facts today, all <laughs> over the place, everywhere. Uh, but we welcome everyone from Lobsters Chat and from around the world to the show today. We're going to be talking about some Legends of Runeterra tournament scene. We're going to be talking about Lobster and his background for any of you who don't know who he is. And we're just gonna, you know, we're just gonna keep it chill. We're gonna have a good time, and we're gonna yeah. be talking about some stuff. But before we get into that, I just wanted to let everyone know that you can join the community. You can join the Legends or the uh, Rune Terrible Radio community by going to discord.me slash Rune Terrible Radio. It's a great place to be. We've got a really awesome community there. Many of you who are listening right now in podcast land are already there, but we'd love to see more of you. Uh, it's a great place to just talk about, uh, you know, talk about LOR jump in and uh and and get some deck tips and whatnot but uh just overall really great place to be but enough enough of that enough of that lame self-promotion we're getting we're gonna get people are gonna be saying cringe in chat i guarantee it but uh lobster we'll start with you buddy tell us a little bit about your gaming background all right the game wait lobster background. you're not supposed to put cringe in the chat <laughs> we're getting, we're getting scammed everyone. god <laughs> Lobster, tell us about yourself. Who are you for those who don't know? <laughs> All right. Uh, so I started with gaming and games in general at a pretty young age, probably at like five, six years of age. Yu-Gi-Oh! just came out, all the Pokemon stuff, uh, Game Boys, mm -hmm. the first generation, Game Boy Colors, all that stuff. Uh, been there, done that. Um, so I've always kind of played card games on the side um paper card games back in the days like mm -hmm. dual master Yu-Gi-Oh. you guys probably oh, know dual master stuff, right? you played dual yeah. masters did you play kaiju master did you play kaiju <laughs> yeah, master was gangster i loved it <laughs> um so once i got into my teens though i kind of moved over to poker just because it had more incentive for me to play it was mm -hmm. more competitive you could actually win money off uh, with it and so on so i studied that a lot once i turned 18 i Went to some casinos, had some success. Like I always preferred live over online poker, and mm -hmm. um, I've yeah, my main car or general gaming background is poker. Um, did play some Hearthstone on the side, and I kind of got back into the competitive scene with Artifact, which sadly was a bit of a fluke. Um, <laughs> and then when the Corona lockdown hit and I couldn't go to casinos anymore, I kind of I was uh, stuck in quarantine and I just grinded Runeterra 24 7 <laughs> for a few weeks. And yeah, it turned out I'm kind of okay at the game. Won a tournament or two. And I think five, uh, is it five tournaments or something like that? By now it might be. I kind of, I, I don't have all the trophies stacked on my <laughs> shelf here. Don't lie. <laughs> now question. we all know in the room over, you literally have them all. And you've printed just out like 3D photos printed of them. yourself holding them. Yeah. yeah, he's got them all. 
yeah trophies it would just be like <laughs> a, a piece of paper i kind of like edit and yeah. printed myself <laughs> made it with a crayon like wrote it out exactly yeah. Yeah, or like like Photoshop a, a championship cup like super poorly into an image of myself. <laughs> that would be awesome. Um, yeah, no, that's how I got into Runeterra. And once I got back to Germany, um, I my internet connection here usually is good enough to stream. So I tried it <laughs> out, gave it a shot, and I love it. It's awesome, and that's what I've been doing for like the last one or two months. So officially, I'm still a student. I'm. I'm on kind of a break though because the semester ended abruptly due to the corona situation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's uh I mean that's awesome. I mean for so my background from, you know, where I found you obviously was just from casting tournaments and you know, you you get to when you start seeing the same names popping up at the uh, in the top 8s and top 4s and winning tournaments it, you know, you you go, yeah, "Hey, maybe this guy's fun. actually pretty good." <laughs> But I mean, there there have been a couple of people like that, right? I think Sudracon also mm -hmm. kind of just reappeared top eight all the time. Like some people kind of got into streaming because they performed well in tournaments and mm -hmm. people encouraged them to start, which is awesome. It's really good for the like community and competitive scene. Yeah, it, it's really um, it, it's really interesting, the, the LOR scene, because I'm also involved at least slightly in the, the TFT scene. And I think... <clears throat> that scene uh, feels very different. Like TFT feels like people migrated over from League of Legends and from like the streamer community. So like, mm -hmm. you know, Scara brings in thousands of people that, you know, play and watch TFT. Whereas LOR, you know, coming from a Magic the Gathering background, it's like, oh, it's the, we, we're getting the, we're getting the sweaty tryhards that want to play in these tournaments and actually grind yeah. and win and actually just want to play and be the best at the game. So it's like, not to take anything away from either community. I just think it's, it's very, it's very different in a way that I didn't think it was going to be. I thought it was just going to be like all of the TFT people and LOR people were going to be the same because it's like, oh, Riot strategy game, but it's actually not. It's very much mm -hmm. like, yeah different different like people and a different like feel to the community which is which is really cool yeah i totally agree at first i was a bit afraid of all the uh league of legends teenagers kind of coming over <laughs> giving it a shot like uh, i was afraid of some incredible toxicity but somehow it rather attracted the the spikes you'd call them right yeah. like these mm -hmm. really competitive sometimes semi-professional card game or strategy game players in general Mm -hmm. um and i'm really appreciating it yeah yeah that's something that you know because it's it's a weird like intersection between riot games with league of legends and everything and other like competitive card games so like blevins and i we were joking when we first started the podcast like we don't really know what the community is going to be yeah. like but it's been super awesome and so many like people with good ideas and people with like professional you know uh, mindsets and it's been really like being able to talk with everyone on the podcast has been amazing like mm -hmm. getting good insight and yeah. good discussions and it's not just like well i'm just a, a i hate everyone and it's like <laughs> right. it's, been, it's been really cool it's been great yeah and it can happen though like some elitists you'll find in every scene in every game yeah um but yeah, here it seems like everyone's kind of very supportive, trying to help each other out and like mainly trying to make the community grow. Yeah. And that's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that's our biggest, that's our, you know, core, core, <laughs> core, uh, pro or not problem. Our core mission is to, you know, grow yeah. the community, which is, which is awesome. So I, I find it really interesting that you actually come from poker competitively more so mm -hmm. than like Hearthstone or Magic, which is which is very interesting. I've played poker. I wouldn't say competitively uh, because you can't play online poker for money in the U.S. Omega law. Uh, but I've, I would say I'm better than a random person playing poker, but not better than someone who studied and played for a long time. Um, but just even putting some amount of time into like poker and poker theory and like the just the mindset going into poker you 
sort of deaden yourself to RNG and like getting getting like the bad the bad rolls or the bad flips. How how has that sort of mindset affected you and in, in, in impacted your play in Legends of Runeterra? Yeah, that's actually a really cool question. Um I I think I feel like it's kind of distinct than coming from a pure trading card game background. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. you basically you're you have less fundamentals of like card games in general. Before I started playing like Artifact and Hearthstone, I didn't even really know what tempo and so on would mm-hmm. be like mana efficiency, all that kind of stuff, initiative. But you are basically schooled in um, or educated in very concise rational decision decision making, mm-hmm. right? In uh, probabilities and stats and crunching numbers, in game theory, like. Mm-hmm kind of dissecting the game down to its roots. And I feel like a lot of people who come over from other collective card games never really put in the effort to do that. And there's actually some valuable stuff to be learned there, I feel like. Um, Some stuff that would surprise people. If you actually look at the numbers, some plays we make, which seem obvious on first sight, uh, are actually bad. Like, they're not Mm -hmm. the optimal plays. And um, therefore... I do feel like I often when I discuss with other other people when we uh, practice a scrim or something, I often feel like I see the game from a very different angle, and I'm not yet sure if that's a good or a bad thing, or if you can even say it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just kind of yeah, kind of a different approach to the game in general, I guess. Yeah, well, one thing that I mean, this is this is unofficial from myself and 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 Casa just having casted the games, but we call it the lobster, the pass, where you like you love taking the pass. Like, hey, you're you've you've developed maybe something, uh, you know, you've developed something small. Your opponent passes back to you, and you haven't attacked, and you're like, okay, I'll just eat your mana. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's like mm-hmm. to me. That was just watching you do that over the weeks was like a a huge like mind like mind blowing experience of like oh this is actually the next level because like you know Saucy and I came from Magic the Gathering so like there's a base understanding of the things that you mentioned tempo card advantage mana efficiency all that stuff and I think once you once you understand like how the stack works in Runeterra if you're coming from Magic you're going to be at a, a way higher level than a lot of other people that are starting the game. For sure, but you, but like the the passing is something that's completely sort of, or at least it it's missed in some ways, um, from playing Magic because you don't really get that like double pass. The like it's almost like it's more in Gwent and was kind of an artifact too, where yeah. like the double pass of like, okay, we're just gonna both pass and move to the next and like force the next phase to happen, um that watching you do that really blew my mind because i'm like oh well i get i get this game it's like magic with hearthstone i've played both i don't need i don't have anything more to learn and then i'm like you're on like seven mana you play a one drop your opponent passes and i'm like okay he's gonna attack here like you can literally watch the videos of me casting okay he's gonna attack here and then play this and then you just pass and i'm like now, why in the world and then like after five minutes of me and casa going back and forth and figuring it out we're like oh (laughs) <laughs> this actually puts him way far uh, further ahead because he just essentially ate his opponent's turn. I, I mean, can you can you talk to me a little bit about that sort of mindset and like where you evaluate that? I mean, you don't have to go into super detail on it because I'm sure it's very mm-hmm. complicated. But that that play, I mean, there's a reason we call it the lobsters because <laughs> you know you take it <laughs> you take it a lot and uh, it's it's very good in a lot of cases. Wow, I didn't even know it it had that title. I mean, um, it's it's part. literally just us calling it. So, but maybe it. it'll, maybe it'll catch on. <laughs> Hopefully, <laughs> yo. Um, so yeah, the, it's basically rooted in what you already said. Um, I kind of learned how insanely valuable the initiative system is and the passing thing in artifact as well. And uh, from poker, I kind of learned that even a very very small edge is super important especially if you play at such a high level and i think most people don't really realize um when they are offered this opportunity when your opponent passes because 
usually in card games, you just kind of you 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 always go for mana efficiency. You mm -hmm. kind of play your stuff. You kind of do your turn and hope your in opponent doesn't interact in a bad way, kind of. Yeah. Um, and it's not as focused on. Like I feel like coming from poker, I'm in my opponent's head a lot more, <laughs> and I'm seeing the the plays through his eyes a lot more than most other trading card game players mm -hmm. would. And uh, or like rather, I, I value it higher and I put more emphasis on it. So the, the basic thought process behind it is this, right? Um, you need to know which deck is the slower one, uh, which one usually achieves their win condition first. And if you are the slower deck. And this is a general rule of thumb. If you're the slower deck and you don't mind your opponent open attacking on the next turn, you're fine with taking an open pass. Because as the slower deck, you often play cards that have higher value when they are reactive, right? Mm -hmm. um, and your proactive cards are going to be in the late game. Like, for example, the Karina deck, when you actually try to achieve your win condition with Ledros and then boom, boom, boom. Mm -hmm. um, but until getting there, it's always better if your opponent first plays a, a minion that's a, a threat and you want as a target for your grasp, for example. Mm -hmm. Like your opponent maybe has an Elise on board, but they also have mana to play Kalista, right? And uh, if their board is not scary, it's totally fine to, to open pass and offer that to them. And you can also do it the other way around, like... If you get to a higher level of play, your opponent will also realize this interaction. Like, okay, my opponent plays a lot of reactive cards. He probably, like, he has enough mana for a vengeance or a grasp here, and I don't want to offer him my value unit, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, that's why they sometimes offer you a pass. And this is the next level, is knowing when, um, like the mana your opponent burns is more valuable than the mana you burn. Mm -hmm. Yep. And that's usually when you're the, 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 the slower deck. But also sometimes it's just like your opponent straight up burns more mana. And even as the faster deck, that's good for you. It's uh, very hard to like, make a general rule out of it. But um, it takes some practice. And it's definitely an aspect of the game I really enjoy. Yeah. I really like doing it. I think the the yeah. yeah the essence of what you're saying is actually encapsulated by a, an old school Magic the Gathering article called "Who's the Beatdown." Uh, okay. If you got it, it, probably came out when you were four or five years old. Maybe actually, maybe not even. It might have been before you were born. I don't know. We're me and Saucy are old. Uh, but ancient. We're, we're ancient in the card gaming world. Actually, not really. Um, we're, we're like middle. We're like middle of the card gaming world. There's yeah. there's some there's some real boomers there. Um, but in the digital card gaming world, we're boomer. We're su we're super ancient. But um, I definitely implore you uh, if you're listening to this, check out uh, just Google the article. Who's the beatdown? Yeah, it really goes. It's really good. It, it it's a, it's one of those things, especially if you're playing slower decks. Knowing like when you're the aggressor, when you're the controllers, I mean, being able to flip that. I think one like talking about the I didn't even know that the term the lobster pass, but I'm going to say it all the it's time. Be, I love it. It's because uh, literally it's, I no, made it's, it up. It's coin. <laughs> it's, it's coin. This is now yes. a thing. This no, is now done. in it, it's Runeterra it like, vocabulary. Uh, one like I started becoming super cognizant of doing that when I was playing a lot of the deep deck. Um, and it was with Jaw Hunter specifically. Like a lot of times you don't want to just oh, run out of Jaw Hunters. Sorry. And there it is. There it is. <laughs> you don't want to just play like a no value Jaw Hunters, right? You're using that mm -hmm. to re as removal in a lot of cases. It's a, a one health creature. You're using it as a removal spell. Uh, so like a lot of times if, if you're, it's your turn, you just pass and then hope they play something and then you can throw the Jaw Hunters out to kill them. Mm -hmm. It's like the same situation. Yeah. Sometimes it's like this weird, um, What's it called? In chess, there's this situation stalemate. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes stalemates can exist when both people play like or only have reactive cards in deck and don't mm -hmm. really want to put anything out on board. Um, yeah, this game allows for a ridiculous amount of interesting interactions, and I really enjoy it. I have to say, like when I first started playing it, until I reached maybe diamond level or something, I thought that, like most of the new players probably do, 
okay, mm. this game isn't all that complex, right? There's right. not that many cards yet. Like all the strategies are kind of known, like easy mm -hmm. to learn. But once you actually, or once you get put into a bad spot by one of those lines of playing by, by the lobster pass, um, <laughs> and you realize the, that thing. there's more depth to it, um, yeah. It humbles yeah, there's you, a I lot guess. of complexity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's one of those things. Like I think what it does well is like Hearthstone, for instance, was a game that a lot of people got into because mm -hmm. the basics, the fundamentals, are super easy to grasp. But mm -hmm. then it, it's harder to master. And this game takes that way further. Like mm -hmm. you can play the tutorials and have a good time. You know, iron bronze. Like you you can play the game and have a good time. And then like when you make those quote-unquote big brain plays, like when you vengeance your own Anivia so you can miscall it and do yep. this crazy shit, like mm -hmm. that's when you're like, you start grasping it and like the feeling of when you learn a complex game like this for any Magic players, you know, the first times that you realize, you know, you can do these crazy things. Mm -hmm. Runeterra really captures that and it definitely has that super, super complexity to it that feels really good when you start getting it. Exactly. And what I love is how interactive it is with your opponent. Mm -hmm. uh, there's like basically endless streams of leveling. Like, what does my opponent think? What does my opponent think mm -hmm. I think? Mm -hmm. What do I think? My yeah, you could spin yeah. this off forever. And yeah, yeah, it's a skill. It's a skill. I I love the something I missed playing years of Hearthstone is like the the bluff attack. Because you can't, like, Hearthstone, there's no interaction, at least directly, right? It's like, if you're attacking, you're attacking, right? That's, But in Magic, you can you can attack, so um, I'm going to, I'll simplify it. You can attack with a 1-1, one, one and your opponent has a 2-2 two, two to block. Um, and if you have mana open, that you know, you're representing, I'm putting it in air quotes for the podcast listeners, you're representing having some sort of pump spell, right? Or, like, if they well, block... Like vile Feast. Or, vile Feast or something, yeah. right? So... Uh, you know, if your opponent knows that you're representing that, they're probably not going to block, right? Well, mm -hmm. in Hearthstone, you can never, you can never have that. But and you can also, the thing is, is you can represent it without actually having it. So you can attack mm -hmm. with that one one into the two two, and it's like, well, if they block, I guess they got you. They called your bluff, but you, you also like, it's something that a newer player might not even think. It's like, oh, they have a two two. I have a one one. I can't attack. That's just this one one's never getting any damage in, but. If you have that, if you're representing it, whether you have it or not yeah. is irrelevant. Like, and you can mm -hmm. get extra damage of the one one that yeah. has no business doing it. That sort of like, again, that's like multiple levels yep. after, and it's 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 really one of the most beautiful parts of the game. And yeah, I, that's yeah. when people when when because I talk all the time about how much I love Fizz because it's he's amazing, right? But like that's one of the reasons you get in so many situations with it, like and. and playing a lot of fizz decks you learn that speed of play is something that actually matters as well because if you have nothing but you just windmill throw out fizz on an open attack they always think you have a spell and you might not a lot mm -hmm. of times your hand is bricked and you just you know what if i just opt attack right when my turn starts they know i have a way to protect fizz and they let it go through almost every single time yep. almost always it's it's amazing yeah getting that getting that free fizz damage yep. um and I will say, when I was grinding up the ladder this season in, um, uh, in like Diamond and even into like in into Masters as well, people will not pass. They just won't do it until you get to like high level Masters. Like they will not take the pass. Like you, I've gotten so much extra value out of Ruination by like they could have just attacked and done a very good amount of damage but they're like nope mm -hmm. gotta get that mana efficiency i'm playing oh mm -hmm. he passed it back to me he definitely doesn't have a ruination i'm gonna play another yeah. thing on top of the cythria and it's like uh, you can, you, it's like like you said lobster to tie it to tie it all back together the little bits of advantage accrue over the course of the game and in in one exactly. instance it might be huge but over the course of the game those little bits of advantage are become insurmountable um mm -hmm. and that's the the long game and i think to go back to my original point i think that's where the poker mindset gets you it's like you are making a series of high um you're making a series of high ev plays and whether they pan mm -hmm. out in that specific scenario or not is irrelevant because over the course of time they're going to they're going to pay off in the long run so exactly 
Yeah, to put it in po poker terminology, it's always like you always get a marginal advantage yes. with these passes and so on, mm -hmm. which other people don't even see is there, or like uh, beginners might not see is there. Also, one more thing as we're currently yeah. in po poker terminology, um, one of my viewers just had this analogy, which I really liked. Um, so you could kind of compare this open pass to a check race in poker instead of mm -hmm. just leading out and betting. Yes. You can sometimes you can get more value checking, letting your opponents fall into, fall your trap. into the trap. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. And that's basically in a lot of situations, you can kind of have mind games like that mm -hmm. in Legends of Runeterra as well. Oh, man. I mean, no, it's called the lobster pass. I'm like, oh, man, do we just call it the check yeah. raise? No, no, it's called the lobster pass. It's, it's written down. <laughs> it, is it, is, it is decided. But I do love the analogy of the check raise. That's a, that's yeah, a really good. That's, that's really a really good. good. Um, okay, so um, that was your, that was your uh, uh, you know, 27 minutes of uh, LOR 404 masterclass. Now we're going to talk about dumb stuff. Uh, no, yeah. we're, we're still going to talk about good stuff. All the stupid shit comes out of Yeah, drugs. now all the stupid shit comes out. Actually, this is, this is, yeah. this is sort of a, a transition, but um, what, what are your, uh, what are some of your favorite decks, Lobster, that you've played, whether in tournament or ladder or just have theory crafted? What, what have you been liking to play? Okay, I straight up have to say, I think my favorite decks are Teemo decks. I love <laughs> yeah. the top cap fan. And I'm not even going to lie. I've already, like, I wasted so much time theory crafting. If you can actually bring a Teemo deck to a tournament, <laughs> and it's going to be at least acceptable. <laughs> and I just didn't find it. But um, one of my favorite decks in beta was a Teemo Heimerdinger, almost mono PNZ deck. Yeah. Okay. It was so good. Like you play Starlit Sears and Elixir of Irons and Freljord, mm -hmm. and the rest is just basically Heimerdinger removal and uh, Timo and all the puff yep. cap spam. And <laughs> yeah, you get him with burn. It's amazing. Exactly. Like you have so many win conditions. You can uh, finish them off with burn. Like Heimer is a win condition always. Mm -hmm. Puff caps are a win condition, but also you play a shit ton of spells. Right, Starlit Seer can give you like a 12, 11 some snipe scavenger, <laughs> and it's just yep. gonna be an elusive. And just one shot your opponent. It was so good. And so I guess the um, post-launch upgraded version of that might be Timo Sejuani. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Timo Sej is super fun. Yeah, it's actually pretty solid as well. Um, currently, it kind of gets screwed by Yoink. Yeah. Uh, if, I don't know. Maybe if Yoink falls out of the meta, it might actually be a consideration to play a bit more. Apart yeah, it's from super that, sweet. like the puff caps freezing their whole board is just amazing because yeah. it just happens just like incrementally throughout the game. You don't have to mm. use your own spells, and then you're just like, eh, I guess you can't detect this turn. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like you already did up all the work. Uh, you did all the work on turn one to six, and then the rest is just like popping up Let by it itself. itself. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, thinking if. I can't think of anything else. Like I always enjoyed different tournament decks, but that always changed from time to time. Mm -hmm. um, the last few weeks, Deep was really fun to play. It's one of those mm -hmm. decks that is fun to play, but not fun to play against. There's yeah. a lot of those <laughs> in, in Legends of Runeterra. Mm -hmm. um, Ezreal Draven used to be the same, just because yes. it had so many legitimate lines of play, so many small mm -hmm. interactions. It was so hard to pilot. Uh, always a real challenge, and I enjoyed that. Yeah, I always I loved casting the Ezreal Draven Mirror, especially when one person was very familiar with it and the other person wasn't, because it was like Ooh. one person, I'm like, I, I, the first time I ever cast it, I had no idea how the mirror match played out. Uh, and I watched... Um, Oh, uh, what? Who was it? Oh, sunglasses. Um, mm -hmm. who's a who's a streamer in the LOR community was playing it uh, the mirror match, and he knew how to play it. And I'm like, he's not playing anything. He's just keeping all these cards. He's not playing yeah. a single thing. And he ended up winning by like a wide margin. It's like, oh, you just kill everything that gets played, yeah. and you just want to literally, you just want hand size. <laughs> yeah, so that yeah. was that was uh really uh. A, like those types of matchups where like it's another thing is in in LOR is like 
it's not just knowing how to play the deck. It's like knowing how to play the the deck against the matchup that it's in because it can exactly. vary drastically. Yeah, as Draven is one of those decks that has flexible win conditions, like mm -hmm. multiple win conditions. Um, yeah, you can overrun your opponent on board. You can level your Ezreal. You can also just melt their face down, right? Because once the tournament when your opponent has the same game plan as you of not dropping anything on board, it's about who gets puff caps into your opponent's mm -hmm. deck first. And that's a whole nother dimension. It's so fun. Yeah. It was it was definitely uh definitely crazy. Um so Saucy, do you want do you want to ask the, the most important question we have here? Uh yeah, so very important question. This one's just like this is the top tier question. It's true. Uh, I'm curious, what what's your favorite guardian? <laughs> I'm just waiting for you to ask me what my favorite color is as well. <laughs> my well spoiler, spoiler. Jeez. All right, can you cross that one off the list, Blev? I'm not even gonna ask it now. Wow. Um, so my favorite guardian right now, um, I think I have two. Okay. That's fine. So currently with the. With the arcade game board, I think the Rainbow Poro is the nuts. Mm -hmm. I think it's yeah. it's S tier. Yep. It's mm -hmm. so like I also love the Rainbow Poro emote. I know a lot of people think it's garbage and it doesn't it's do great. anything. But Wait, I think people it's think it's perfect. garbage? Yeah, yeah. People really? Are stupid. That is dumb. Yeah. That's a that's a cold take. Yeah. 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 The Rainbow Poro is like the hard counter to the sad poro. Yeah. It just blows people off their like <laughs> mindset and concentration. You guys need, to, you guys need to try it. Just someone's fat poros, you just spam the happy poro, yeah. and they don't know what to do anymore. Yeah, we've been talking about this a lot recently. There, yeah. there is a deep, deep, deep emote uh, meta going yeah. on, and exactly. I agree. I think the rainbow poro just hard counters sad poro. Yeah, I stopped I running sad poro because of it. Like it just counters, it gets countered so hard by rainbow poro. Yeah. It's... That's a hot take, though. That's a risky one. <laughs> it's it's risky, but it pays off. All right. Um, the other guardian I really like is the little endure thing. I don't remember the oh, name. Oh, like... Bailey. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bailey's sick. Yeah. And what I like about it is like the the coloring. Sometimes, like the flash and the eyes, is so distracting. <laughs> it looks like an animation is happening on board or something. <laughs> and so often, it just. When my opponent had it, it just took me out of my concentration. Like, what? What, what, what just happened? <laughs> yeah. Drop, like, yeah. It's actually... I mean, if you have a Guardian who might actually impact the game, <laughs> just imagine. Pay to win, <laughs> yeah. right? Pay to win. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, buy, <laughs> buy the get Bailey Emo if you're playing in a tournament because you will uh, throw Lobster yep. off of his game. <laughs> yeah, if you're playing against Lobster, throw it on a Bailey and he just his brain stops working altogether. Yeah. I just time it. out yeah. every turn from then on. <laughs> yeah. So it's... so the other important thing that I always want to know, because this is where it gets fun. Uh, I want to know your top three favorite and your top three least favorite cards in the game. Other than Timo. We know he's he's an auto-include in everything. Okay, okay, okay. Before. Um let me think about this for a second. Mm -hmm. You have exactly 22 seconds to think. Now, I would need a card <laughs> list right now. What are some cards I really like? Do you have any cards that you just really hate to see? Uh, I think a dislike, I, for sure, two of my top three would be Heimer and Karma. <laughs> um, okay. The reason being... Oh, I should also say, like when you ask me about which decks I enjoy, I might be a bit sadistic here, but I kind of like the Bannerman playstyle, especially the Bannerman Mirror, um, just because it challenges raw fundamentals in a way which no other matchup really does. Mm -hmm. Especially the Bannerman Mirror, like straight up, uh, kind of like the 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 chess move, straight board control, just stats and everything. Um, I really enjoy that. So Karma and Heimer, for me, are two mechanics, two champions with mechanics, which bring the games to its edges, right? Mm -hmm. it's, um, they're super volatile mechanics. Uh, they can either do nothing all game if you don't have the combo pieces, or those cards by their own over time can just, or even in one turn, can completely blow you out of the game. Mm -hmm. we all, we've all been there, like the Karma Exodia, just 
Someone playing Karma next turn, double get excited, triple mystic oh, yeah. shot, yep. spell stacks full, and you're mm -hmm. like, fun and interactive gameplay, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, let me see a third one, which I dislike. It's kind of hard. Uh, what about uh, what about the um, the the ones I really like? The well, what do you? I guess this is a. Uh, Maybe a possible answer, but also maybe just a, a follow-up topic. What do you, what do you think about looting from uh, your opponent's deck, the steel, the klepto cards? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I was uh, one of the few who, for a very long time, said like the mechanics fine. I don't know what all of you are so pissed about until <laughs> until I was in a series in a tournament which decided who would move on to top cut. And I was playing sea monsters, and I had the game in complete control. I did the mistake of at some point in the game playing a shipwreck hoarder, and my opponent yep. had a one-off pilfered goods in his deck, and he yoinked a plate worm egg and a jettison to go deep the same turn. Yeah, we 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 <laughs> caught that on stream, by the way. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> like right at you that moment it. too, which was kind of yeah. funny. We we kind of cursed oh. it. Like I yeah, think when we jumped have, over. The pilfered goods was like on the stack, and then we saw what it took, and we're like, "Oh, or no, we didn't see the, your opponent's hand." We go, "Okay, um, oh, he got a jettison. That's not good." And then plays plateware mags, and we're like, uh, <laughs> "I guess he loses here." <laughs> yeah, and it was kind of sick because it was like the game looked un unlosable, mm -hmm. but yeah, uh, I, I guess we could add pilfered goods to the least liked cards here. <laughs> Now, cards I like the most, uh, <laughs> Cloud Drinker. No. I was going to say, your, your chat is spamming Cloud Drinker. <laughs> yeah, that's, I, they made me play an OTK Exodia, like a Cloud Drinker plus Dawn and Dusk mm -hmm. plus Puff Cap Peddler mm -hmm. plus Vault Breaker combo. So yep. you get yeah, infinite great. zero mana Vault Breakers. And after like 16 minutes, I think my opponent decided to alt F4. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did that once and we actually got to we got to let him draw. He drew like because uh, we had twelve hundred because I had a Teemo on board, so I got to six, yeah I got to six hundred and some and hit with Teemo and he drew like three hundred and some on his next draw. It was awesome. <laughs> it was so good. So uh. silly. Okay, but uh, favorite cards. I think one of my favorite cards, which is not just straight up meta, would be Jinx. I okay. really enjoyed the uh, whole discard aggro yes. playstyle. Um, we could maybe even add Draven to the, uh, there too, because as Draven was one of my favorite decks, as Jinx, uh, sorry, Draven Jinx mm -hmm. was also one of my favorite decks. And I think if we go with champions, like one I recently discovered for myself was Ash. She's mm. super fun to play, super strategic. Mm -hmm. You always need to plan in advance for this big blowout turn. Um, yeah, I think I'll go with those. Yeah, Ash, Jinx, Draven. That's that. Those are those are good ones. Watching you play the Ash uh, Ash Noxus mirror match was a treat. Uh, I think it was a couple of not last tournament, but a, uh, two ago was mm -hmm. like, oh, this is unwinnable, and it's like, oh, actually, you drew five cards off of off of the uh, <laughs> the yeah. of yeah. the assessor, and then it's like, oh, okay. Um, it was so it came down so much to like, I think opponent like threw away an ash early or something and it's like actually the game the game is super close and it's a huge board stall but actually it's over because the ash like the third ash is gone so it was it was really crazy um mm -hmm. and the you know that was really kind we had seen that deck before but it was really sort of a breakout in terms of it being really widely used and like seeing the mirror match be like oh this game's gonna go on forever it's like oh no actually you just win in one turn with ash it was uh Really, uh, really crazy and, and really fun to see that sort of deck come out and uh, be really strong. But so speaking of the competitive scene, obviously we've been, um, you know, you've been a part of a lot of these weekly tournaments, the Duels of Runeterra, the Jam Fests, some of the one-off uh, G'day Maverick events and some some other tournaments that have been going on as well moving forward and in, in the long term what do you what do you want to see out of a competitive scene for LOR um 
Well, okay. Let's first of all go with like in-game client side. I would love yeah. to see a spectator mode, obviously. Same. Would, yeah. I think <laughs> we're all on the same page here. Yeah. I would love to see an in-game tournament mode. And I would love to have in-game deck tracking that actually accounts for toss and so on. All of that is mm -hmm. definitely possible. We saw it on Artifact. Uh, mm -hmm. Maybe that's the reason why it's not in Runeterra, though. Um, right. But those parts of Artifact just blew my mind about like mm -hmm. how competitive-friendly a card game can be. Yep. Um, so much for that. Uh, and also from Riot's side, I would love to actually just see some promotions, some big tournaments, just to see the esports scene flourish. Um, and But yeah, from the community side, I can't even really complain a lot. There's a lot of people trying to host interesting tournaments and everything. Mm -hmm. um, they're all putting a lot of effort in. They're doing great work. They're providing a lot of opportunities for competitive people to play. Uh, you guys shoutcasting as well. So, um, yeah, I can't complain. I, I ju I'm just hoping it's going to grow and maybe get the attention it deserves. Mm -hmm. And that would involve, like, eventually catching more attention from maybe uh, esports teams and so on. Mm -hmm. um, like, bigger organizations. The, I mean, we we already have some EG liquid players and so on, but... Yeah something in that direction surely would both like bring more viewers to the games, more players, more new players, and mm -hmm. would give more opportunities to competitive players. If, if you had to pick one esports org that uh, if to, to offer you a contract right now, who would it be? Oh, that's a trick question. I don't think I should answer this. <laughs> <laughs> So, so you heard it. You heard it here, uh, esports orgs. Uh, send 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 your offers over to Fresh Lobster. I can I can personally attest it would be a very good investment if you want some some trophies for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. Saucy, any other questions uh, that we want to throw to Lobster before we go into the listener questions? I had an interesting one. I was just thinking about in in relations to things we want to see out of the competitive scene. Um, how would you feel about there being some kind of like, uh, I'm, I'm just thinking, I'm just going to spitball and just let my brain wander here, but some kind of like, if it was like a tournament circuit or some kind of, uh, some, even like a dream hack thing, but it, like an in-person large tournament circuit, like a grand tournament, some kind of something, uh, how, is that something you would ever be interested in? Or is that something you want to see happen with Runeterra? What do you mean by in person? Though you mean like live? Uh, yeah, like, yeah, like, like you live travel to these events. Even if like it was we're like in Overwatch a convention League. hall, we're in a convention hall or a venue playing on computers close to each other. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I'd actually love it. I think this game is a lot more dynamic and uh, fun. As for example, a game like Hearthstone, and Hearthstone manages to do it all the time. They get enough viewers in and everything, enough interest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, so if the game ever grows large enough that a lot of people actually want to see it, mm -hmm. I would totally be down for that. It would just be a bit tough to um, coordinate it with like European players and North American yeah. players and so on, obviously. The distances yeah. are huge. Um, well, that's why you're going to be on that org that pays for your plane tickets. <laughs> right, they're going to be flying you around. Hopefully. The the one of the big reasons I, I bring this up is just because I'm curious, coming from a poker player where being able to see your opponent can give you a lot of information. Cause I come from Magic the Gathering and playing in person, mm -hmm. like something you lose playing over the internet, like when you play Magic online or anything, is that human interaction and you can get so much like a good player can get those extra percentage points mm -hmm. reading their opponent. Like I, I'm just curious how you think that would translate into Runeterra, being able to like physically see your opponent as they're doing things across from you. You know what? I, I do agree that it's a very good and very interesting point. I think the effect is kind of limited, though, for example, as opposed to poker, because you need to focus so much on what's going on in the exact game, like plan your turns ahead mm -hmm. and um, 
like always keep in mind all the resources, all the values, yeah. who's ahead, who can I pass, can I not pass, do I need to develop, what could my opponent have? And you don't really have that much time and focus to actually peek aside your screen <laughs> and check out your yeah. opponent and try to also interpret the body language and so on. That being said, I do think it does add another layer to it. Yeah. Like you would surely, especially if people don't have good poker faces or postures, Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. if you include the amount of time they take and then can take a glance at your opponent, it probably does give you information which you otherwise wouldn't have on the internet. I do agree. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a lot of there's so many tournament games of magic that I won just by reading my opponent. Like when they draw and they can't contain that they just drew their board clear. Yeah. And you're like, all right, I'm just going to not commit anything else to the board. Like yeah. there's, uh, or, it's, it's my favorite thing in card games. Or the old, Ooh. the old trick of, if they if they look at their graveyard, you just write on your your on your sheet. Oh, they have Snapcaster Mage. It's like yeah, yeah. little things little things like that. And like, uh, I, it's kind of it's kind of out of vogue now in MTG because they've kind of changed how competitive. Ro- but I used to be in in tournaments. I was effing cutthroat for those like pro level events like grand prix and stuff ptqs it's like that's just how it was back in my day now it's like oh both players have to make sure that everyone gets positive effects it's like yeah i'm I'm out i'm not doing that i'm trying i'm actively trying to get my opponent to forget their positive effects yeah and like i've i've on multiple occasions just by like asking asking questions like i've gotten opponents to concede when they had lethal on board because they didn't think yeah. that they had lethal on board. And that's yeah. now people would call it's, that, uh, what is it? Oh, that's dirty. Shooting. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I'm coming from a super cutthroat. <laughs> like now, now people, <laughs> I, what, do, what do they call it? It's not called trick shotting. It's called, uh, angle shooting, angle shooting. And it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of, uh, it's kind of, uh, a faux pas these days, which is you know maybe part of the reason why, these old guard players like me don't play anymore. Uh, also, I'm trash. Uh, no, but it's like, yeah, it's that. That was part of the fun for me. But also, I would, I would also anytime um, a if I had a judge call in Magic, if the judge didn't rule in my favor, I would snap appeal, even if I knew that it wasn't, even if I knew it wasn't uh, supposed to be my favor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I think that's probably bannable, but uh, I don't care. Screw you, Wizards. Uh, I hate you. Yeah. Uh, not really. I, I don't hate Wizards. I just hate. Uh, I hate Magic: The Gathering judges in general. Um, you know what? I don't hate listener questions. Me either. I love listener hey! questions. See, we got we had a little bit of a, we had a little bit of a transition there. Um, we've got a, a few listener questions here, and we've got we got a little bit of time. So if you guys have uh, questions in chat, uh, get them get them in. Um, okay, so let's start off here. We've got Rocks Rex two eighteen who asked the question on Discord again. Discord.me slash Rune Terrible Radio. Uh, and uh, we can uh, answer some questions here. Um, so going into the ranked reset soon in patch 1.3, how are you approaching ladder? Do you have any advice for those of us who are feeling, quote, the grind? Um, well, that's a pretty general question. Um, the most standard, but yet one of the best advice, like tips, you could give anyone to play ladder is um, try to not get frustrated with your deck after you lose two or three times mm-hmm. um, and try to not interpret losing streaks as the deck being bad. You might just have had bad luck for a while, but instead try to master one deck. Um, it's like no one in Runeterra plays anything close to perfect. And the most important thing is m- making less mistakes than your opponent. Mm-hmm. And therefore, if you're very familiar with a deck, even if you lose a few in a row, you'll still kind of, on autopilot, you'll still play it well. And um, eventually that downswing is going to stop and you will get back uh, to grinding and to ranking up. One thing, though, is you also need to sometimes be harsh. There's the, the other extreme of players who <laughs> always stick with their one deck, even though it's garbage in the current meta. <laughs> and then it's just sometimes it's also time to let go. Yeah. That, I mean, that ties in. When I want to, we can ask this question because B squared 64 asked, how much do you play a deck before deciding whether you should keep climbing with it or not? 
Hmm, okay. So if the deck is already kind of meta-proven, if you have, I don't know, net deck that or like seen a lot of other like people play it, have success with it, you're probably fine just playing a few games, see if you like it, you feel comfortable with it. Um, if it's your own brew, this is <laughs> very hard to interpret. Yeah. Um, for most people, I would recommend just kind of sticking with what's more or less meta or mm. up and coming and make it your own. Like you can always tech a, a bit differently and kind of give the deck your own character. Um, but with completely new brews, you'd basically, you need kind of a sample size of 50 or a hundred games or maybe even more before you can mm -hmm. consistently say, okay, this was ju not just like a hot run or like mm -hmm. a streak of bad luck, but this deck actually yeah. has this and that win rate. So, um, yeah, <laughs> the best answer I can give is it depends. Yeah, it mm -hmm. depends on the overall information that is available for this deck. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely a good uh, piece of advice there. Kind of a, a related question here. Um, this is from Robbot. They asked, uh, "How often do you consider going off meta as opposed to sticking with uh, decks with proven success that need uh, a little tweaking?" It's gonna be for both, I guess, um, ladder and, and and tournament as well, because it also uh, applies mm -hmm. there. That is actually a very good question, and. Uh... It's it's a, a concept that's a bit hard to explain. Um, so, okay. So basically it depends on what your goal is. If you mm -hmm. are just trying to win more than 50% to get to masters, mm -hmm. um, you're probably best off sticking with a meta deck and trying to master it. And a meta deck you know has a higher win rate of 50%. But if you're actually shooting for rank one in ladder, you need way more than a 50% win rate, right? Mm -hmm. So all those meta decks won't cut it because the as soon as a deck becomes meta or like very strong, everyone's aware of it. Everyone's going to try to figure out how to play against it as well. Yep. And uh, the win rate might shoot up within the first couple of days the deck is discovered and then it will kind of settle down. So if you want to go for either rank one or ladder or for like a very good tournament run, you need to win a lot more than 50%. And that's when you should not just meta slave, like not just uh, net deck something completely because it will only get you to maybe like 60, 65% win mm -hmm. chance. But you need to figure something out that's one step ahead of the meta. And that's, yeah, usually the best timing for trying some off-meta stuff out is immediately after balance patches. And you kind of, that's usually when you'll see most movement in top 20, top 50 off ladders mm -hmm. because everyone's kind of trying out new stuff and some people might be playing decks that are super strong but no one knows them yet and they might yeah. rock 80-90% win rates up to those dimensions and yeah, that's when you want to go off-meta. If tournaments is always like you want to still bring good decks, but they should be like half a step or one step ahead of your opponent's lineups. So basically you think first about what are all my opponents going to bring. And then you think about what do I bring that is like, which three good decks do I bring, which do well against all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's the, I mean, it. it's the, the second layer of of rock paper scissors, not the actual rock paper scissors that you used to determine. Yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah. So really, really good question there uh, from Robbot. So we've got uh, Cephalopod, another tournament uh, grinder as well. Asked, uh, open deck list and ranked is something that Prismat, a, another tournament grinder, has been calling for. Is that something that you are in favor of? Um, if you ask me personally, yes. But I also have to say, um, it kind of uh, like requires a slightly different skill set. So mm -hmm. if you have closed deck lists, part of the, uh, the the skill of playing ladder is predicting your opponent's decks without exactly seeing their cards. Like, which tech cho choices should I play around? Which one shouldn't I? So 
it's a lot more like playing with probabilities in your head. Mm -hmm. Like these cards could be in my opponent's decks and these cards couldn't. Um, but me as a tournament player, I'm already used to the open decklist format and it gives you more of an edge like if you know how to play against and around these cards. Like if you're familiar with my opponent is that likely to hold this card and mm -hmm. uh, all that kind of stuff. Like I personally would prefer open decklist as well. But then again, I don't think it's going to be implemented. Yeah. Yeah. From coming from artifact, yeah, it's like in the drafts and stuff, it was open decklist. And it's like it is good in the sense if if you really want to focus super hard on every single game and maximize your win rate, it's like, okay, I know I don't need to play around. Unyielding Spirit, for instance, would be one that's like, oh, they don't have Unyielding Spirit in their deck. I don't need to play around it. The stuff that we're used to looking at, um, you know, watching and playing in tournaments. But on ladder, I think it's 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 less of a like, oh, well, obviously it is better and it will help better players play better. It's le like no one's arguing that. It's more of like from a philosophical um, perspective, do you want ladder games to be that, like put that much extra pressure onto the 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 latter games and i'd lean towards like no especially on mobile to like thinking about like some people are going to be playing on an ipad or their phone it's like i really don't want to have to pull up um like that that those players are a consideration as well even if they aren't necessarily tournament players like i think there should be a little bit of a distinction there i don't know that's my yeah Personal yeah, that's a, that's an I haven't even I haven't actually heard that take about uh, open like deck lists for ranked. I I just selfishly don't want that to happen because one of my favorite things is to put those one or two just random bullshit cards in my deck that like your opponent should never expect. Yes, I guess like, like mind meld in a fizz deck for a long time <laughs> and like uh, I I've been playing this a, a Nivea a Nivea War Mother's Call, but I put the Dreadway in there just to get the Anivia <laughs> double damage and just like. Just random stuff like my opponent can't calculate this. Like, so I don't know. I like those random fun ofs, mm -hmm. but I don't know. Like like you said, though, the pro you're you know you're used to probability, especially when you're highly ranked and you're like, you know, seeing the same decks. You're like, all right, I know this bannerman list like like the back of my hand. I know every card, and then they went and they just play that one random like what is it consecrated consecrated strikes or whatever. You're like, what the what like it's yeah. So like those yeah. weird one ofs. Oh, they, they, can, they can really throw yeah. you off. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought you were saying consecrated sphinx, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that's, consecrated that sphinx is in is in yeah. uh, in LOR. It's coming uh, next patch. You heard I, you heard it first. I yeah. love consecrated sphinx. I was just playing commander the other day. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I remember when that card was in standard. Uh, hashtag boomer. Um, well, I yeah. I do have one more thing uh, about this question. Yeah. So, um, it would be an option to only implement open decklist for masters or if it comes out eventually grandmasters mm -hmm. and um the problem with it is it's probably not worth coding and implementing such a feature just yeah. for the couple of hundred players that actually care about it mm -hmm. yeah. i think there are a lot of other features that would be prioritized yeah i'm philosophically and from a like even just a like design perspective i'm very much in the school of thought of uh keep it simple keep mm -hmm. it simple stupid like <laughs> you don't like will that would that would open deck lists um provide a useful functionality for players i don't think anyone would argue against that 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 is a true statement but i think it puts in a lot of additional pressure on the games and also like it complicates it like yes we could have you know, you could have a bunch of um, uh, additional stats that are in the client, right? And like Riot has access to them, right? And you could just have all these spreadsheets and like, what are your probabilities of drawing each card? And you could have all this clutter and all this additional data. And no one would argue that that data is bad to have from a competitive standpoint. But you also need to think of UI, UX, and like player experience in general for more than just like the top 0.01%. So exactly I, I i agree with you there i think it's a feature that would be i think just keep it in tournaments i th i think that's a fine that's a fine you know line in the sand to draw is like let's keep it in uh let's just keep it in in tournaments but that's my personal thought um 
Okay, so uh, RavenC777 asks, I'm an aggro player and suck at control, and I play mid-range mediocrely. Any advice for adjusting to different archetypes? Um, okay, that's also a pretty good question. The, the main thing you need to shift is like your attention shouldn't mainly rely on your opponent's nexus health as the most important resource in the game and like how do i get it to zero as quickly as possible how do i use all my cards to hurt my opponent's nexus but rather um you focus a lot more on value like playing your cards in a valuable way um on and like your opponent's nexus health becomes rather unimportant your own nexus health becomes more important if you play against slower decks mm -hmm. but it's mainly about um also the more controlled uh, oriented your deck is the more important it is that you know the whole meta and know all the right. common archetypes and what your opponent is most likely to play and then you always need to consider like okay this card is going to be the best answer I have for this specific card of opponent. And that would, for example, mean not wasting your Vile Feast on an Omen Hawk or an Everosen Sentry when your opponent also plays Trifarian Glory Seekers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's, basically, it's kind of a different mindset and attitude to the game. You want to kind of control board and health in a way that you're opponent is slightly ahead of you but it doesn't get out of control and you always look for those opportunities to swing it yeah um i know that's all very abstract advice <laughs> uh it's kind of hard without yeah. specific in-game examples but it I think just like, takes a while to get used to it yeah yeah like whenever someone's asking me how to get better at playing x archetype usually it's control or mid-range um like my my biggest advice is always understanding what your win condition for that specific game is and trying to achieve that. Uh, it, that's one of those big things when we were talking about earlier about that article, like understanding when you're the beatdown. Because um, sometimes, like, in, it, it, it's all matchup dependent, but I think the biggest thing is just knowing what your goal is and how you're going to win that game. Because, uh -huh. like, against some decks, you don't need to win, you just need to not lose where there's in other matchups, you actually need to win before they can win, especially if you're playing against combo, like if you're against Karma Ezreal, you actually need to be the aggressor as a control deck because they will eventually just win and combo off. So yep. um, having a good understanding of the meta, like Lobster said, is honestly going to be the, one of the best friends that you have, um, but also understanding how you're planning to win in that specific matchup will help you a lot. Yeah, I totally agree. If you mainly play aggro, you always enforce your game plan first, right? You always mm -hmm. just try to rush down your opponent, and you only lose to your opponent outvaluing you anyway. So it's pretty one-dimensional. Mm -hmm. But if you play control, um, your opponent can have a lot of different game plans. Like the Karina deck has a different game plan than a combo Ezreal deck, right. which has a different gameplay than a deep deck, or game plan rather than a yeah. deep deck, for example. And you always kind of need to balance hindering your opponent's game plan so they don't achieve it before you achieve your own game plan mm -hmm. or like your win condition rather like you said yeah i think one of the most interesting like angles or lenses to look at that in is the aggro mirrors because depending on your draw and your opponent's draw you're going to be placed into whether you're the controller or the aggressor and that might change mm -hmm. depending on certain like static sh yeah. uh not static shift static shock for instance yeah. it's like okay well am i going to kill two of their guys am i going to put a damage on one of their guys or am i going to go one to face one and kill one of their guys like that those decisions like put you into like okay i'm using my get excited to kill their uh crimson disciple draven. here yeah or their draven yeah like okay but in some in some instances depending on the board state and where what their life total is what your life total is etc like that you need to save that get excited to go to their nexus so that those it it gets super complicated very quickly uh even in aggro matches which people yeah. you know spam uh forehead uh sm mark um I'm telling you. Five head, just hit face. Yeah, just, just hit face, <laughs> forehead. Uh, easy, easy, easy. Okay. 
We are coming up on close to time here. Saucy, are there any additional questions or topics that you want to cover before we go? No, I don't think so. Uh, I mean, I think this is a really good show. Super fun. Yeah. Uh, wealth of knowledge. Um, and it's great. I love to see, you know, just different perspectives. Like Blevin said, we get a lot. We usually get a lot of, you know, people coming from, uh, you know, Hearthstone, Magic, mm -hmm. Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, yeah. whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I love because I poker is one thing that I never really got into, especially just because like like Blevins hinted at earlier, like our shitty gambling laws here yeah. in America, like just suck. I, I actually I was I grew up in Las Vegas, so we we had a lot of gambling oh, nice. and like even like I just I never I played Magic instead. So mm -hmm. it was just it's just really cool because I'm also I'm a super mathematic and like I'm a very analytical player. Um, I have like zero emotional connection to any card so like for we have a lot of people who are like this card needs banned because it's i'm like well but if you look at the win rate of the card like it's actually yeah. but i hate playing against it like, mm -hmm. i just don't care so I, I, it's just nice to see that side I, I really enjoy it so thanks for coming on yeah really really do appreciate it lobster lobster let people know where they can find you on the internet and in various yeah. places sell out oh, shout yeah. out do it all Shit. First of all, thanks to you guys for having me. Uh, shout out to both of you. That was uh, really fun. I enjoyed it. I think we covered some super interesting topics. Mm -hmm. And okay, uh, self-promotion time, I guess. <laughs> um, I am on Twitch mainly. I try to stream every day. Uh, usually at least six times a week I manage right now. It's Fresh Lobster CCG. And I've also recently been working a lot on putting stuff up on YouTube. I think yeah. my channel, uh, channel by now has a nice spread of guides as well as live coaching sessions, as well as some tournament gameplay, some runs of the recent tournaments. And I have a series called Tournament Classics, which is some like old school <laughs> cool sets against uh, like from beta, which were nice. some of the coolest sets I've ever played. For example, the set against Mogwai when he brought the anti-Bannerman lineup. Yes. Um, I remember, stuff like that. Yeah, I remember that tournament. In the future. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, apart from that, Twitter, I also try to be on every now and then. It's Fresh, Fresh Lobster C. And I think that's all. Awesome. Well, we'll have, to, uh, we'll have to do a YouTube collab. I just had this idea where we can talk about Teemo. So you, you and I, let's do, it. Let's, do it. let's do a Teemo video together. Yeah, and I, I, yeah. Want, I want the uh, lobster coaches Blevins to at least mediocrity as well. That's what I, that's another. <laughs> the... I, I don't know, like, lobster's a pretty busy guy. I don't know if he can fit that. Yeah, actually, uh, stream's going down the next, uh, when, did, when were you available? Yeah, the next 20 months, so <laughs> not going to be streaming. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, all my coaching sessions are full. Oh, Monka. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Saucy, where can people find you on the internet? Yeah, I'm just Saucy Mailman uh, on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube. Uh, I post a lot of YouTube stuff. I stream less often than Fresh Lobster, uh, and I stream a lot more garbage as well. But uh, we play some fun garbage. We've been Ooh. playing a lot of uh, Anivia Deep, War Mother's Control, Dreadway lately. It's been <laughs> a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm just Saucy Mailman everywhere. Awesome. Well, you can find me on Twitter at the underscore Blevins, and you can find us in the show everywhere that you can find podcasts just search for rune terrible or just search for legends of rune terror i think we're the first one that comes up um and you can also go to runeterrible.com you can go to deckpicks.live and discord.me slash rune terrible radio is the place the best place to find all of our stuff but again shout outs and thanks to the fresh lobster for coming on and providing i would i think we can call this an lor masterclass. at least parts of it were oh yeah uh for sure so hope you guys enjoyed it let us know what you thought in the discord but we will see you all later thanks again for listening and for watching for saucy mailman for fresh lobster i'm the blevins and we'll be back next week to talk about more legends of runeterra yeah.